Chapter One of the Mystery of Clumber. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Mystery of Clumber by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Chapter One The Hegira of the Wests from Edinburgh. I, John Fothergill West, student of law at the University of St. Andrews, have endeavoured in the ensuing pages to lay my statement before the public in a concise and business-like fashion. It is not my wish to achieve literary success, nor have I any desire by the graces of my style, or by the artistic ordering of my incidents, to throw a deeper shadow over the strange passages of which I shall have to speak. My highest ambition is that those who know something of the matter should, after reading my account, be able to conscientiously endorse it without finding a single paragraph in which I have either added to or detracted from the truth. Should I attain this result, I shall rest amply satisfied with the outcome of my first, and probably my last, venture in literature. It was my intention to write out the sequence of events in due order, depending on trustworthy hearsay when I was describing that which was beyond my own personal knowledge. I have now, however, through the kind cooperation of friends, hit upon a plan which promises to be less onerous to me and more satisfactory to the reader. This is nothing less than to make use of the various manuscripts which I have by me bearing upon the subject, and to add to them the first-hand evidence contributed by those who had the best opportunities of knowing Major General J. B. Heatherstone. In pursuance of this design, I shall lay before the public the testimony of Israel Sticks, formerly coachman at Clumber Hall, and of John Easterling, F.R.C.P. Edinburgh, now practising at Stranraer in Wigtonshire. To these I shall add a verbatim account extracted from the journal of the late John Berthier Heatherstone of the events which occurred in the Thole Valley in the autumn of forty-one towards the end of the First Afghan War, with a description of the skirmish in the Tirana defile and of the death of the man Gulab Shah. To myself I reserve the duty of filling up all the gaps and chinks which may be left in the narrative. By this arrangement I have sunk from the position of an author to that of a compiler, but on the other hand my work has ceased to be a story and has expanded into a series of affidavits. My father, John Hunter West, was a well-known Oriental and Sanskrit scholar, and his name is still of weight with those who are interested in such matters. He it was who first, after Sir William Jones, called attention to the great value of early Persian literature, and his translations from the Hafiz and from Ferididen Attar have earned the warmest commendations from the Baron von Hammerpergstahl of Vienna and other distinguished continental critics. In the issue of the Orientalische Seinsblatt for January 1861, he is described as der Berhunter und sehr Gelhertner Hunterwest von Edinburgh, a passage which I well remember that he cut out and stowed away with a pardonable vanity among the most revered family archives. He had been brought up to be a solicitor or a writer to the signet, as it is termed in Scotland, 
but his learned hobby absorbed so much of his time that he had little to devote to the pursuit of his profession. When his clients were seeking him at his chambers in George Street, he was buried in the recesses of the advocate's library, or poring over some mouldy manuscript at the philosophical institution, and his brain more exercised over the code which Menu propounded six hundred years before the birth of Christ than over the knotty problems of Scottish law in the nineteenth century. Hence it can hardly be wondered at that as his learning accumulated his practice dissolved until at the very moment when he had attained the zenith of his celebrity, he had also reached the nadir of his fortunes. There being no chair of Sanskrit in any of his native universities, and no demand anywhere for the only mental wares which he had to dispose of, we should have been forced to retire into genteel poverty, consoling ourselves with the aphorisms and precepts of Ferdusi, Omar Khayyam, and others of his eastern favourites, had it not been for the kindness and liberality of his half-brother, William Farintosh, the Laird of Branksom, in Wigtonshire. This William Farintosh was the proprietor of a landed estate, the acreage which bore, unfortunately, a most disproportional relation to its value, for it formed the bleakest and most barren tract of land in the whole of a bleak and barren shire. As a bachelor, however, his expenses had been small, and he had contrived from the rents of his scattered cottages and the sale of the Galloway nags which he bred upon the moors, not only to live as a laird should, but to put by a considerable sum in the bank. We had heard little from our kinsman during the days of our comparative prosperity, but just as we were at our wit's end, there came a letter, like a ministering angel, giving us assurance of sympathy and succour. In it, the Laird of Branksom told us that one of his lungs had been growing weaker for some time, and that Dr. Easterling, of Stranmer, had strongly advised him to spend the few years which were left to him in some more genial climate. He had determined, therefore, to set out for the south of Italy, and he begged that we should take up our residence at Branksom in his absence, and that my father should act as his land steward and agent at a salary which placed us above all fear of want. Our mother had been dead for some years, so that there were only myself, my father, and my sister Esther to consult, and it may be readily imagined that it did not take us long to decide upon the acceptance of the laird's generous offer. My father started for Wigtown that very night, while Esther and I followed a few days afterwards, bearing with us two potato sacks full of learned books, and such other of our household effects that were worth the trouble and expense of transport. End of chapter 1